Sunday night. This is the eighth, uh, eighth November eighth. Okay. Well, we're just finishing up on. Uh, we've already come. We've looked at the material world. There's not a whole lot to explain because we live in that and we know all that. But we started looking at at um, what was behind the material world in the spirit realm. So we spent one Sunday, and that's really all we're going to spend on um, the dark, the fallen angels, because um, there's just not a lot of point in that. They're defeated. We should know that they're there. We should be smart enough to recognize, um, um, you know, their their characteristics and their qualities, and when they attack, and you know, we should be able to recognize that. Um, Did you finish up? Pretty much, <clears throat> we had gotten down to their tactics. We talked about capabilities, you know, that they, they have a, the ability to have a supernatural power um, beyond ours. They can physically transform. Um, did we talk about this? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. They can physically transform mm-hmm. from the spirit to the flesh. Right. And we did that, and we talked about Noah. And how those angels left their first estate. Um, So they do have that ability. Um, They do have the ability to oppress, depress, and even to inhabit. to To possess people. However, and especially now, they don't have that capability unless they have permission to do so. Um, they also have um, a territorial um, what do I want to say they, they have a territorial uh, range about them they don't they're not just uh, everywhere they're territorial so that there are certain groups of angels that inhabit certain places you know but um, so like if you look at Baghdad you look at the seat of where sin started right over in the Middle East. You you find that arrogant spirit, I will lift up my throne. I will be like the Most High God. I will raise my throne up. And then you look at all the great empires that have come out of that area. You know, you look at the Babylonians and you look at the Assyrians before that. And then you you look at um, the Mede-Persians. And then you, then you see, you know, then just straight Persians. Then you, you know, so over and over and over again, the Ottoman Empire that rose up out of that. And they all had that same thing. It isn't a matter of just an empire in their area. It is, I will raise my throne up. I will be above the Most High. You will worship me and only me. You will. And you can see those spirits, you know, the personality of the very seat of Satan right there, Babylon, which is, um, you know, even in Revelations, they talk about that being the seat of evil, you know. So, I mean, if you look at it, you can see that there's a territorial thing going on. And you read in Daniel when it talks about the prince of Grecia and the prince of Persia that warred against uh, Gabriel when he came to Daniel. We're going to read some of that tonight. But but it, they're territorial. So, you know, there are all different strata just like God's plan. They, they modeled it. Principalities and powers. 
Now, you don't have rulers of darkness, you know, and wickedness in heavenly places. We don't have those. But still, the, the, uh, uh, the line is there of authority. And um, uh, so th they range from the heavenly areas all the way down into the earth, which is where we are. The only way, since Jesus came, the only way that they have authority is through uh, people, human beings who give them permission. They do not have any material uh, presence whatsoever here. So if they want things done in the material, they have to occupy or possess or oppress. They have to um, control your thought life, control your speech, because they have to operate within God's laws of creativity. They can't operate outside of the laws that God set in place. So if we don't give them permission, they have no permission. You know, James just said, resist them. And they flee from you. It isn't that they just um, back off. They run from you because they know better than to mess with you. And um, it isn't that we want to glorify them in any way because they're under our feet. We have the authority over them. They have been disarmed defanged and um, while they do damage when you and I are around they should not they should not be doing damage where we are um, and that's just it so we, we talked about their capabilities their tactics you know first of all Satan's a liar and he's a father of liars so they're deceivers now they're not going to just tell you what you and I would know as a bold-faced lie. Sure, it's okay to murder people. You know, so they're not going to tell you that. But they will tell you that it's God's will that somebody be taken out. Look at Islam. I mean, you know, God is giving them permission to murder, to kill and steal and destroy. And it's a lie of Satan. And how does he do it? He dresses it up in religion. Um, deceiving people. And then you look at the United States and I mean the very elect are being deceived. You know, we, you, look at, you look at the church proper. I'm, I'm talking about all denominations across. You know, and um, what was the big article here not too long ago? A bunch of women bishops said that they wanted to completely get rid of, and this was just in the news not too long ago, you know, completely get rid of the cross and the blood and the sacrifices and all that, that it wasn't necessary. And um, I looked at that woman, that bishop, and honestly, I kept thinking she looked like Harpo Marx. Yeah. You know, I'm going, what is wrong with this woman? She just looked insane. She just had that look about her. But, um, you know, and, and people are following along with that. And they're fine with that. Yeah. And um, look at... Um, the, the Pope when he came. That that was just the worship of a man. Absolutely. You know, it was. And some of it was just sick. Some of it was just really sick. Like that representative, and I don't know who he was. I'm glad I don't know his name. I wouldn't want to look at him and think it. But, you know, he, he waited until after the Pope had spoken and went up and took the water from the dais where, I mean, where the, from the lectern where he'd been speaking and took it to his office and drank it and gave it to his wife and to some of the people. And then they saved the rest for his grandchildren. I'm going, that's just sick. You know, that is sick. 
But that's a lie of Satan. It's pure religion. So he's really a smooth liar. Then they stir up trials and troubles in your life. You know, they kick up the dust storms and cause you issues, especially when you get a new revelation, especially when you've been feeding on the Word a lot. Um, they're going to bring people or issues or even worries. You know, sometimes you find yourself worrying about not having something to worry about. You know, how that is. And um, they'll do that. Just bring those worries to your mind to chew on. Because if they can get your eyes off of Jesus for a minute, they can get to you. And um, so they definitely attack your thought life. Um, and like Jesus says, take no thought by speaking. The thought may go through your mind, but just don't take it. Don't think on it. Don't dwell on it. Always top it with the Word of God. Always conquer it with the Word of God. Um, and then they will bring oppression. They'll bring fear, you know, un unreasonable fears on you. And that paralyzes. Fear absolutely paralyzes. And um, so they'll bring oppression and depression. Um, a lot of things like mental illness and things like that. People accept that lie through like a family you know, well, my uh, it, mental history, mental issues run through my family, so it's mine. You know, as if it's a generational thing. And um, it's real easy when you're wide open like that for it to step right in there, you know, without even realizing what happens. Um, and then they cause things like dissension among the people. You know, there's, there's always that. Um, and I, you know, I read Rod's letter. He sent out. If you, I don't know if you guys read it or not, but I felt bad because I, I thought, you know, people, people are asking, "What's he doing here? What's a man like that doing in this church?" And I mean, um, to me, that's so unwelcoming, oh, yeah. you know. And and as beautiful as that sanctuary is, and it is beautiful, right. I've heard complaints. Oh, sure. And I, you know, you just think, what is that about? We should be praising God that we can do it. You know, we could clean it up, that we could make it new and make it beautiful. And, and um, catch the problems before, yes, before the ceiling fell in on us. Exactly. And um, But, you know, that dissension is so sneaky. It just gets in there, that critical eye. And then next thing you know, there's a complaint here and a complaint there. And the next thing you know, it's blown up. And um, gossip is another Mm -hmm. that runs here and I think that runs in every church mm -hmm. but I mean all of those little things that's not that's not godly you know when you see those things start to happen and we start to hurt each other um, we need to stop and go whoa in Jesus name this is going to stop yeah. in this church we, we need to be sensitive to those things I personally am very guilty of just kind of going along you hear it and you nod and you keep moving but I don't address it. Not not with the person. You wouldn't want to address it with the person. You know, Jesus' name, shut up. I wouldn't, you know, you don't want to do that. But but you know that spirit of gossip is running there, and, and we should address it. But um, I'm not real good at that. You know, I'm not real good at just stopping and praying about it and, you know, stopping things. But um, we need to get better at it, you know, just to keep it going. But, but a lot of times we just don't recognize it, you know, and I... I can imagine how a new person coming in here 
And Rod's, he's just his own unique self. You can't say anything. It's just he is who he is. But you have to believe, like I do, that God's in charge of this church. We've prayed too long over this church. We've all stood and believed for too long to think that God's going to let somebody in here that shouldn't be here. And um, if God's opened that door for him to be here and he's here, then we need to praise God for him, keep him covered, keep him blessed. You know, the hedge him in. And um, so, and, and you know, pray for our pastors and things. Because the enemy is just, all he wants to do is pick us apart. Keep us weak. Um, as long as, you know, it's like God says, when, when you're speaking the same language, when we all speak English, and we're all speaking the same thing, then nothing will be impossible to us. So we want to be sure that the enemy doesn't get in and, and keep us from saying the same thing. So anyway, those are his tactics. You know, if you read the so or so's the word, it's all right there. Um, he just doesn't he doesn't mind if we go to church. He doesn't really mind if you get caught up in religion. He doesn't really mind any of that. But the, as soon as you get the Holy Spirit and you begin to recognize who he is, then he minds. And um, you're going to start to see things. So it's just, you know, we just need to know it. But bottom line, he's a loser. All the way up and down the line, he's the loser. And we have the authority over him. And if we resist him, not only does he just go, he flees. And that means, that word flee literally from James translates, runs away in terror. No. Is literally what that means. And um, so we need to understand that we are terrifying to them and not be acting like we're all that scared you know we we just need to stand up okay look at verse go to Romans 8 we'll start there Romans 8 This is the good news, okay? Bottom line, no matter how evil they are, God created them. God is more powerful than they are. And therefore, if we are in God and he is in us, guess what? We're more powerful. Now look at Romans 8. I love this. Um, and, and Paul's talking about how we all kind of groan under the curse that's left in this earth, the remainder of what's left from what, from the damage that Adam did. And some of it still remains. Um, start with verse um, 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and prevails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. Isn't that the truth? <clears throat> for we are saved by confident expectation. But confident expectation that is seen is not confident expectation. For what a man sees, why does he yet expect? But if we expect that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. 
Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. The word infirmities there is asthenia. And it literally means helps our inability to get results. Okay, it doesn't mean sickness. It means our inability to get things done. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's praying in the Spirit. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did know, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So this is, this is it. What should we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can stand against us? And that's the question. Nobody can stand against us. Nobody. If God's there, nobody can stand against us. I don't care how big and ugly they look. I don't care how ferocious the storm. Nobody can stand against us if God is for us. One more uh, verse. Skip over to verse 37. Because, well, go to 35. You just read 35. You know, he's talking about who will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, disease, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. He's listing all the things that the enemy tries against us, right? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. That's the way they say it. And Paul says, no, that's not true. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In all those things, in all what things? In tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and peril or sword, in all the difficulties of life, we are more than conquerors. Okay, so I don't care what the enemy throws at you, we are more than conquerors. You got that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they're under our feet. That's Ephesians 1. We've talked about that and just read it last week. You know, the power that is in us is the very power that raised Jesus from the dead. And, it, and we are in him and he's in us. And all things are under our feet. Principalities and powers. They're all under our feet. Um, meaning they are below us. You know, we have the power to tread on um, serpents, which is the same thing. They're already defeated. All we have to do is resist them. The other thing is that they're not all-knowing. Um, go to 1 Corinthians. You know, we keep thinking they know everything. One of the blessings about praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit is, if you're praying uh, in the language that the Holy Spirit gives you, the enemy can't get in on your prayers. He can't hear your prayers. He doesn't understand your prayers. And he can't thwart your prayers. You know, he can't put any doubt in your mind because you have no idea what you've said to doubt it in the first place. He can't overrule your prayer because you didn't make it. The Holy Spirit made it who's already overruled him. So the power of praying in the Spirit is really important. 
But you have to know that these devils don't know everything. They know some things, but they don't know everything. And on the other side, we have the capability of knowing everything. You know, God can reveal that, th that to us. So I want to read this to you so that you know they're not smarter than us either. Um, what is it again, please? What is it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Thanks. Mm -hmm. We're going to start with verse 6. Okay. Let's start with verse 6. Uh, or if you go to 5. But 6 is where we're really starting. But I just want to get a run at it. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's where our faith is, is in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. Alright. Howbeit we speak a wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of the world, nor of the princes of this world that came to naught. That came to naught phrase literally means princes of this world that are now dethroned powers. They are dethroned powers. So he says we speak a wisdom that is not the wisdom of dethroned powers. They don't understand the wisdom that we speak. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And we talked about this. They had no idea when, when, um, um, when the prophecies went forth about a Savior coming. They had no idea that the mystery was Christ in us. The hope of glory. They understood a savior coming. They understood Genesis 2 when God said, you know, um, my savior is going to crush your head. You know, you'll crush his heel, but he's going to crush your head. He understood that someone was going to come into the world that would destroy his power base. He understood that. And several times over the course of history, he tried, he thought the savior was coming and tried to kill him. You know, like when Moses came, all the baby boys were killed. When Jesus was born, all the baby boys were killed. And several other times he tried to defile the line through which Jesus would come with Moses, I mean with um, Noah's generation. You know, he tried to destroy it then because he knew that this Savior was coming. But when the Savior came and he was made known to Satan, Satan wanted to destroy him, so he did. He fell right into Satan's hands illegally because Jesus was innocent. And, and Satan killed him. You know, he entered into Judas. Mm -hmm. Satan entered into Judas. And Judas betrayed him. Mm -hmm. And that demonic power dealt with um, Jesus in the flesh and killed him. And I'm sure the powers of hell had a great party that night when Jesus died on that cross. I'm sure they did. But when Jesus rose on the third day and tore them up, defanged them, completely disarmed them, destroyed their strongholds, and led them captive, I am sure they weren't laughing anymore. They are utterly and totally defeated. Now, that was, that was bad enough. 
But what they didn't understand was what was to come on Pentecost. They thought they had gotten rid of that one Savior. They didn't realize that the mystery was Christ in us, the hope of glory. That the Holy Spirit was going to come and there were going to be billions of little, little Christ running around. Christians, little anointed ones running around. And that they were going to multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. So he continually wages war on us, but we continually multiply. We continually top him and conquer him and keep him underfoot. And the, and the Antichrist can't come to power even until we're taken out of the way. I mean, as lame as we are with it all, we're still standing enough to keep Antichrist from coming to power. He can't possibly come to power as long as the church is here. The true church. The only way he's ever going to get to power is when you and I are gone. The Holy Spirit will be here, but it'll give him a crack in time when um, men, physical men, inhabited with the power of God are no longer here to stand against him. You know, those that have dominion will be gone. And so you just want to be sure that you're in that boat that goes first, the ark that goes first. You just want to be on the first ship out. Um, but they had no idea what that mystery was. So what I'm telling you is, is they don't know everything. They don't know everything. We give them too much credit for knowing a lot of stuff that they don't know. We give them too much credit. Okay. Now, this is the credit we don't give ourselves. We don't give ourselves this credit. Look at verse 9. But as it is written... Eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us. I don't know how many times I've heard people stop right there with, we have no idea what God has prepared for us. And that is a lie. And the enemy uses that. Because we say, well, we don't even know what God has planned. I mean, I've heard that quoted a billion times, but that's the only line that's quoted. But you can't quote that line in isolation because that's a lie. The enemy uses that all the time to tell us, oh, you can't know everything. And I'm going, back the train up. Yes, we can. Here we go. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. What? Everything that he has prepared for us. Everything. For the spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The enemy uses that first verse to keep us blind, fat, dumb, and happy. Because people say, well, we can't know, then why bother? You know, why would you seek it out? But if you know that God will reveal that to us through His Spirit, then there's no excuse for us not seeking out to know everything. Everything. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing the spiritual things with spiritual But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So where the enemy would take that first little verse and use it to keep us down and blind and ignorant, you have to read the rest of that verse to know that God has revealed it, everything to us through His Spirit. You know, we, we have the capability of knowing everything that He needs us to know. And He will not keep that from us. We have the feeling that He hides things and that they're mysteries that we can't know them. But Paul clears that up for us. And so when people start to use that verse, they also use the one in Isaiah where it says, my ways are higher than your ways. And, but that's not what it says. It says, you come up here and think my thoughts. Mm-hmm. You come up here because my ways are higher than your ways. Mm-hmm. You know, seek me and you'll find me. So um, the enemy tries to pick up all kinds of good little scripture pieces and then just cut off the bottom. God won't give you any you know, more than you can bear. Well, he didn't give it to you in the first place. But that's the way they quote it. And they quote it that way so that you'll wallow under their oppression. But you see, if it, when we know, when we know, then we can rise above it. It's, it he, he uses ignorance and he uses complacency and he uses the foolish mind of men. Um, any of that that he can use um, to blind us, he will. But you know what? That's that's man's choice, not you know, not ours. Okay, let's look at Psalm thirty-four because this is what you know. This is it, Psalm thirty-four, and then we're going to look at the last part of Psalm ninety-one because I like that. Look at verse 17, just so you know. Verse 17 in Psalm 34. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. doesn't matter what the enemy stirs up. It does not matter what the enemy tries. If it isn't a good thing, then it isn't coming from the hand of God. Some people say, well, how will I know? How would I know? You know, whether or not the enemy's coming against me. Well, just look at what's happening. You know, if it didn't come from the hand of God, then it's not good. If it, if it isn't a demon that's causing the trouble, which, you know, most of the time it's just us causing our own trouble, um, at least you know that it isn't coming from the hand of God. And if you get back under God's care, you can take care of it. You know, God will take care of it. He'll deliver you out of the problem. Okay, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save such as of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And this sounds like what Jesus said in John. He said, you know, there's no trouble that's come on you that isn't common to all men, right? But be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. The thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of all. Mm-hmm. So when you start to think about troubles, 
It doesn't matter. You've already won. It's just a matter of getting to the win. You know, when you're walking through the valley of the glen of gloom, the valley of the shadow of death, the glen of gloom, keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll come out the other end. It'll be fine. And the you know, and just like it says in Isaiah, you won't even have the smell of smoke on you. You walk through the fire, you walk through the flood, you're not going to even come out with the smell of smoke on you. You're, you'll, you know, God's going to just take you right through it. Um, because our flesh is heir to this fallen world, things are going to happen. Stuff happens. But you've got to keep your eyes on the Lord. Because we have the victory. You know, we have the victory. The enemy, even if a trouble comes, um, maybe the devil didn't cause the trouble, but the devil will sure take advantage of your weakness and say, well, you're not getting out of this one. Mm-hmm. You know, just think about all the terrible things that are about to happen to you. This is just going to get worse. It isn't going to get better. You know, the enemy can just play with your mind when you're weak, when you're at your weakest moment. Two o'clock in the morning is a really good time. <laughs> you know, um, poor Jan Welch. God bless her. She's been really sick this week. Pray for her when you think of it. She has just struggled, really struggled. She said she's never been so sick as she was all her life on Tuesday night. She said, I was so sick I was laying in bed thinking, who's going to come to my funeral? (laughs) I thought, that's really sick. But you know what? That comes at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, it creeps up on you when you're weak and you're not awake. Instead of saying, in Jesus' name, no. (laughs) You know, you just wallow in that zone. I've been there so many times. You know, you you just, the enemy just sneaks in when you're weak. And um, so I'm glad she came through it. (laughs) I wanted to just hug her through the phone when she called me. She said, I just need to hear a voice. Anybody? Mm-hmm. Did she have stomach no, she really doesn't even know. She said she just started feeling exhausted. And then the crud, the cough came, but then fever. And I mean, she has really been through it this week. It has just wiped her out. So pray for Jan when you think about it. But I laughed at that because I thought, you know, that it's just like the enemy to do that to you. You know, I'm sure that little enemy was going, think you're going to get through this? I doubt it. You better start planning your funeral. And all of a sudden you're thinking, wonder who's going to come to my funeral. I mean, I've been there. You know how that is. You just start thinking all that stuff. And How are they going to manage without me if I don't make it through this flu? And it's just the enemy. It's just the way he sneaks in and does that. Captures your thoughts. But we have to know that, you know, once we wake up enough, we can knock his head off. Um, Look at uh, Psalm 91 now, verse 14. Okay. Because he has set his love upon me. This is God speaking. Therefore, I will deliver him. That means we have the victory. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He will call on me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Preservation, protection, deliverance. All that's in the word salvation. Um, The word is actually Yeshua. I will show him my Yeshua. 
And um, so it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. We're delivered. We're, we're protected. We're defended. We're, we're the saved. And um, we need to just keep reminding ourselves of that so that, you know, we, we know that we have the dominion here. We rule and reign. Okay. So don't, don't go looking for demons and doorknobs like that pastor told me one time. Don't focus on them because they are, they're lost. They're lost. And uh, we need to treat them that way. We need to treat them like the dogs they are. And um, actually, I shouldn't say that because I like dogs. So we should treat them like the slime that they are and um, keep them under our feet. It's what we do. Um, and, and I want to move on now to the good guys. Yes. Because this is the key. This is it. Um, you know, I think about that story of Elijah and um, his little servant. And uh, they're in Dothan. No, and the Syrian army's been trying to attack Israel, and every time they get a plan, God tells Elijah what it is, and Elijah goes to the king of Israel, and the attack is thwarted. So finally, the Syrian king figures out that it's this prophet in Dothan. So they just he just sends a, a huge army, a legion of men, to wipe this little prophet out. And the servant gets up in the morning, and he goes, oh! done we're done because he's looking at the material he's looking at you know these demon driven evil men that have come to destroy him and Elijah just says well there are more of them than there are of us and the guy has no idea what Elijah's talking about so Elijah says Lord just open his eyes and let him see and there's that fiery army up on the hill you know that could have wiped out that Syrian army I thought it was interesting that Elisha just said blind them till we get out of here and that's what they did. They just blinded him and left that army there that could do more damage. But that was what he prayed, so that's what he got. I would have been much harsher on them. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. Bill was, what was that history show you were watching, History Channel show about the Six-Day War? Mm -hmm. That was cool. Well, um, it was, it was um, within that Six-Day War period where Israel was being overrun in parties of small Israelite soldiers were confronted with tanks and armored vehicles. And the Syrian outnumbered, army again. Outnumbered, mm -hmm. Again. Outnumbered mm -hmm. and were being besieged. And all of a sudden there. the guys just turned around and left. Left their vehicles and everything. Just their left. tanks got out. I was over there and during, because right, they right following the war. Testified that they saw the bullet holes were still in the buildings. Oh my gosh! You know, from the from the Six Day War. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's amazing. You know, they're still there. They are still there, very active. Just thinking about all the miraculous stories, you know, that came out of that war. Oh yeah. You know how how that happened is only God. Right. You know, it's well, only so, God. Wasn't that the war where there was they came to a minefield and all there was so many mines and they didn't know how they were going to navigate mm -hmm. it and then a huge wind came and blew up the oil and exposed, exposed all the mines. That, that, that to awesome? me was just that yeah. and seeing these huge angels. Yeah, the, you know, and it's so, it, you know, we always think about angels. I mean, in the back of your mind, you know guardian angel, and you, you know they're around. But 
but you don't give a lot of thought to them, a lot of credence to them a lot of times. Um, I have come over the time to appreciate them much more than I used to, you know, because I, it's, they're not these gentle little um, girly angels in the pictures, now I lay me down to sleep. It's not, they're big, monstrous, light beings, okay? They're, they're tremendous with powerful strength. One, one angel was sent to wipe out 184,000 uh, soldiers of Sennacheribs. You know, the death angel, one angel went through all of Egypt and managed to kill all the firstborn in one night. You know, it's one angel can do a lot of damage. And we have more than you can imagine. Um, we think about all those little demonic beings, but they're dark and shriveled and um, weak. And we have these massive numbers. Go to Hebrews 12. Karen this morning was talking about guardian angels and she was reading something uh, and she said that we all we all have at least one guardian angel. Yes. We decided she needed a team, but we have all at least one. <laughs> yes. But then she they said that there are people who do not pay they do not attend to their angels. They right. do they're not aware, they don't Right. They don't allow them to function. So there's all these unemployed angels. Yes. <laughs> That's what we said. Well, give Karen a team. There you go. And actually we do. There are enough angels out there that however many you need, that's how many you get. You know, for whatever the deal is, that's what you get. It's, it is um, amazing. We do have, you know, there's an angel for each one of us that's before the face of God. You know, but he's a spirit being, so you can be before the face of God and, and taking care of us at the same time, always there. And isn't that a powerful thing to think about? You know, we're never alone. Never alone. But it's like she says, we put most of our angels out of work mm -hmm. with our own stupidity. You know, we put most of our angels out of work by our own stupidity. Um, this morning, speaking of the death angel, I'll say this quickly. Um, I, I was talking a little bit about the Passover, and I said, and so when God came through the land to punish the Egyptians, mm -hmm. I was play, speaking to kindergartners. Yeah. I, when God came through the land to punish the Egyptians, and the little, one little girl said, that was the death angel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> I don't know, she was adorable. Oh. And I thought, well, somebody's been teaching her. Yeah, I said, yes, it was. <laughs> but yes. I didn't say that. I was just saying, trying to clean it up a little. <laughs> God had promised to come punish the Egyptians yeah. and lead them back home. Well, that was the devil. Oh, I love it. Get you straight in a hurry, yes. don't they? Yes. Go to Hebrews 12. And then, um, let's see how I want to do this. Okay, Hebrews 12. Um, this is talking about, um, he's talking about the difference in the people before Jesus came and after and how they came to the mountain that burned, you know, where God was and that they were fearful and anybody that touched the mountain would die. But, but he said, you don't, you don't come to that mountain. 
you come to the mountain of God, you can come into the presence of God. You know, you we're in a different place is what he's talking about here. Um If you, if you just start back up at verse 18. For you are not come to the mount that might be touched and burned with fire or unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain it would be stoned or thrust through with a dark. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you are come to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. That's so many you can't count. Okay, that's so many you can't count. Revelations 5. This gives you, this is just in the throne room now, okay? This is just in the throne room. Now what we know is that the angels come, go to and fro from the throne room. They go all over the earth from the throne room. But this is just looking in the throne room, which means there are a lot of angels out there toing and froing, if you want to put it like that. If that's correct or not, I don't know. But um, look at Revelations 5. This kind of gives you... <laughs> this gives you a picture of the throne room and what's going on in there. Um, look at verse 11. And this is just around the throne now, okay? And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. That number alone is 100 million. Okay, 10,000 squared, that's 100 million. But then it says, and thousands of thousands. So thousands times thousands. So 100 million is just a rough estimate at the start. So you add thousands of thousands on top of that, and you're up in billions and trillions in a blink of an eye. So when we start to think about angels... There are way more angels than there are humans on the earth. And, and if you think that the army of God that's on your side is small, think again. We're talking billions and trillions of angels. This is just the group around the throne room right now. Okay, This is just around the throne room. You have no idea how many angels are out there doing a job somewhere. But this is just around the throne room. So, so our army is huge massive and every one of those angels is unique and called of God with a specific purpose alright go to Psalm 68 real quick and then this will be the last one of those but I just want you to know that we we are not we're not in this alone by any means and we're to go to what Psalm 68 Just a few. Oh yeah, just a minor few, right. This is just the chariots of God, okay? Of God. That doesn't mean they're the only chariots. But this is just the chariots of God. Um, 
Let's see where I want to start. Um, verse, 15, verse 14. When the Almighty scattered the kings in it, it was white as snow in Solomon. The, the hill of God is as the hill of Bashan, a high hill as the hill of Bashan. Why do you leap, you high hill? Is this the hill which God desires to dwell in? Yes, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. And the Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. We, we, we have warring angels. We have angels before the throne praising God. We have angels that are messengers. We have angels that do great and mighty things. Supernatural things that you and I can't see. When you and I are praying, when you and I are asking God for help, angels are released. Or when you speak, angels are released. Um, one thing that I, I have come to learn, are you, go, you're still in Revelations. Go to Revelations 19. I'm going, where are we and how did we get here? Revelations 19. Okay, do you remember when we talked about the kingdom of heaven? And we talked about the greatest shall be least and the least shall be the greatest. So that in God's eyes, every person is of equal importance. Okay? One is not more important than the other. You, you are not measured by what somebody else does. You are measured by what God called you to do. And how you did it. And the pay is the same. Whether you were hired at the first hour or whether you were hired at the 11th hour. The pay is the same. We inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. As the oldest son. We're adopted adoption of sons, which literally means put as the in the position of the oldest son. So the pay is the same whether you're preaching to millions or whether you're preaching to one. In God's household, he is the strong head. There is the son. And there is the family. And there is then the host of servants below that. Okay? The angels are below that. And yes, the angels are in rank in a different place than we are. Okay? Um, we are the body of Christ. And we are seated together in heavenly places. And because we are the body of Jesus Christ, you know, we are a part of the Creator who created those beings. So in that sense, they are a little lower than us. But they are not slaves or servants in the sense that, um, um, you know, they are, you know, whip dogs and we, you know, we have authority over them. Think about it like this. The President of the United States holds the highest office. Okay, But he is only as good and able to do his job as, as good as the secret service who keep him safe. Mm -hmm. If it weren't for the secret service, he wouldn't be able to function. So the secret service are equally important. Mm -hmm. You and I live in this country and the military fights for us. Mm -hmm. You know, they work on our behalf. But they are not, in that sense, lower than us just because they fight for us. We're only as safe as they keep us safe in order to be who we are and to do what we do, to have our greatness.
So when we think about these angels, um, yes, they are in the in the scale, I guess, you know, in, in the level of things, ranked below us. But they are of equal importance to God because what they do, nobody else can do, just like us. In the whole scheme of God's great plan, nobody can do what they do. I don't care how high we sit in heavenly places. Our angels can do things that you and I would never be able to do. Never. So I want to show you two scriptures here that kind of bring that home. Revelation 19. John gets overwhelmed here. He's starting to see the end and everything that's happening. And he gets overwhelmed and he's been hanging out with this big old angel. We don't even know who this angel is. Um, but he must be magnificent. Okay. Um, Revelations 19. Look at verse 9. And this is, you know, talking about the marriage of the Lamb. And he said to me, Write, this is the angel speaking, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said to me, See that you do not do it. I am your fellow servant. Fellow servant means we all serve the living God in a different way, you know. But I am a fellow servant. And of your brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All right, now look at 22. Chapter 22. He does it again. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And he said to me, See that you do it not, for I am your fellow servant of your brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Okay. Um, his job, just like all angels, is to see that we all, as servants... Keep the sayings of God that are written in this book. And we work together to do that. So, yes, there's an infinite number. Yes, they are equipped to do for us things supernaturally that we cannot do for ourselves. But there are also things that we can do that they can't do. Um, they long to look into... Uh, and study about and understand the gospel and salvation. They don't understand the salvation message, but we do. Um, that's scriptural. They long to study that and look into it. So they don't, you know, there are things that we do that they can't do. We're the ones with a voice that can give voice to the word in this world. We're the ones that command you know, and speak to the enemy and speak to the mountains and tell them to be removed. But it's the angels behind us that work to see that what we speak gets done. But they can't move if we don't speak. And that's what Karen said. We put a lot of them out to pasture. Because, yeah, because we don't speak 
to what they need. They can't move unless they are fulfilling the word of God in the earth. And that's what he says. I, you know, um, I am a servant with you and of them which keep the sayings of this book. That's what they do. They keep the sayings of this book, but they do it in their way. So they're equipped to do that. And they are available to us all the time. Go to Jacob, I mean, go to Genesis 28. I just gave it away. <laughs> Genesis 28, okay. Genesis 28. Question. Yeah. Is there not a scripture, and I might be taking it out of context, but it's um, what we will be is not known. Something to that effect. What we will be is not yet known. I, I know that somewhere. I know it is. I don't know where. I have no idea where. And the reason I ask that, if you know, God's working. Yeah. And and He's creating still. But when we see the face of Jesus, we'll be like, "That's right." I don't know where that is. And uh, so, uh, mm -hmm. you know, He's already created the angels. And they know what they're doing. He created us, made us. But I'm not sure I know what I'm doing <laughs> in, that, in that context. Yeah. But, uh, but when the end comes, and uh, just what... Yeah, no, I'm sure that's rattling around in your mind. You're right, but the difference between us and angels is you're right. They were created as they are. They didn't grow up. They weren't procreated. They were created. And they were created and designed with specific purposes in mind. Um, the difference is, is that you and I um, not only have the ability to choose, we have the right to choose. And God has given us the ability to learn, to think, to dig, to reach out, to, to think and reason and and to be like him, where the angels are not like him. They are not creative beings. You and I are creative beings. They, so They are creative No, they're not. They are created, but they are not creative. They don't oh, create. Creative. Yeah, I'm they don't sorry. create. I thought you said that. Yeah. Right, no, they don't create. Yeah, right, right. We create. Right. And um, we take from the spirit realm and create in the material. So you're right, we don't know what we're going to be when we get to the end. But we know that when we see him, we'll be like him. I know that's the that's, scripture. That's it. That's when we see him, we'll yet. be like him. It is not mm -hmm. yet. No, what no, we will like be, we, yeah, but when we see him, we will like, it will be like him. Yeah. yeah. I think and, that's what that's talking about. Yeah. And, uh, and that ties in with 1 Corinthians where it says, you know, we, we grow from glory to glory to glory to glory. We're, we are a transformational being. Angels are just what they are. They, you know, they, they were created and they looked the way they looked when God created them and their purpose is the same and, you know, that's, that's, their, um, that's their life. Yeah. You and I um, were created in the beginning and then procreated. And our spirit being is like that of God and we... You know, we we have this mind, this creative ability in us that is not in the angels. And that's one thing that makes us a little higher than the angels in, you know, in our capabilities. Um, 
and they long to study a lot of the things that we look into. They don't understand them. But um, at the same time, they were designed to do things that you and I could never do, you know. But they work on our behalf as creative beings who are generating the Word of God in the earth. You know, anytime we're generating the Word of God in the earth, they're down with that. They are down with that. Um, so go to Genesis, because this is really the first picture of it. And Jacob, you know, it's, it's a type and a shadow of Jesus. Um, in the sense that he, he becomes Israel and he becomes the, the uh, source of the seed of Jesus. You know, Jesus comes out of Israel. And um, so God shows Jacob something in, when he's out. And, uh, and um, he's in a struggle, you know, he's messed up with Esau and he's messed up with his dad and everything else has kind of gone wrong. He's a sneaky little dude. But in his struggles, God still remembers the covenant that he has with um, Abraham and Isaac. And that covenant was passed to Jacob. That birthright, that covenant was passed to Jacob. And God wants Jacob to understand that he's not alone. Okay. And um, look at verse, let's see, chapter 28, verse 11. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place and put them for his pillow and laid down in that place to sleep. I have never gotten over that. He's I go, who head. could sleep on a rock? He's he a hard, is. He's a hard head. He is a hard head. You know, <laughs> when Lee and I, a couple, many years ago, went, do you remember going down to the, um, down in the Pennsylvania Dutch area to that, oh, uh, oh, the, the cloisters. Yeah. yeah. The cloisters. Yes. They literally slept on a, a rock pillow. Do you remember that? Oh, my. Yeah, it was kind of hewn out, but they literally slept on a rock pillow. I remember seeing that when we walked into it. Well, how could that possibly be good? Well, you yeah. know they must have taken off their robe or something and put it there. <laughs> I can't imagine it. I mean, you know, oh, my gosh. <laughs> sure. I'm telling you what. Instead of just having dreams, it would have been nightmares here. <laughs> okay, verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angel of God, the angels of God, were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And <clears throat> the land whereon you lie, to you I will give it, and to your seed. And your seed will be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you in all places where you go and will bring you again to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you. This is the first picture we see where there is a connection between the spirit realm and the material realm as far as God's plan and his angel beings. 
Um, yep, the angels were posted outside of the Garden of Eden, you know, and, and Abraham had the angels come and talk to him about blowing up Sodom and Gomorrah. And, but this is the first time where God is opening the windows of heaven and showing him this army of angels that are going to and from, descending and ascending, bringing, you know, coming down to Jacob. And he says, you're never alone, Jacob. I'm going to see, you know, I'm sending you help. This help is always going to be with you to see that this comes about, you know. Um, what an awesome um, picture that is. Well, the door that opened was open because of what? The old covenant. He said, I am in covenant with Abraham and Isaac. And now I'm in covenant with you. And that door opened because of that covenant. Jesus is our covenant. He's, he's the gate. He says, you know, nobody comes to the Father but by me. You have to come through me to get there. I'm the gate. I, I'm the door. And um, so... Through Jesus, when you and I are born again and come into Jesus, um, that door is open and those angels are constantly flowing and moving to us. That door is open because of the New Testament. And those angels are constantly coming and going and waiting on us. Go to Hebrews 1. This is the passage where everybody starts when they start studying angels. But it's a good one. Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to stop here instead of starting here. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. with um, just shoot start first one what the heck it's all good let's just try it God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things by whom he also made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, You are my son, this day I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he said, let all the angels of God worship him. And the angels, to the, of the angels, he said, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. That's a pretty good description of angels, a flame of fire. Because they are, they are total light beings. Flaming, brilliant creatures. But unto the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. 
You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity, and therefore God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. And you, Lord, in the beginning have laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. But they shall perish, but you remain, and they shall wax old as does a garment. And as a vesture shall you fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all, what, angels, all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation? We're the heirs of that, the heirs of deliverance from this present evil, the heirs of protection and avenging and and victory and prosperity and health and oneness and wholeness. And their purpose is to bring that covenant to pass in our lives and to help us bring that covenant to pass in this world. Um, uh, Let's just keep reading into chapter 2. Therefore, we ought to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how will we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation, which um, at the, my word is blurred there, which at the what? Somebody tell me first. First, okay, began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard him. God from the very beginning made angels to do just exactly what they're doing. And that is to minister for us. Um in order to bring God's word to pass. And um, Psalm 103 um, says it. They are ministering spirits who, who act on the voice of God's word. And the only voice, the only vocal cords in this world belong to you and I. When you and I are speaking God's word with power, when we are declaring the name of Jesus, when we are declaring those things and speaking God's plan over this world, angels go to work. When you and I are declaring worry and fear and anxiety and doubt, um, where is it? 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. There it is. That's when he's talking about we see you through a mirror. Mirror. That's it. From glory to glory. Thanks. That's like scratching an itch, isn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and if I, half of it would come and I would, I couldn't, you know, I'd get it. Yeah, you get some of it. And of course, I'd, I'd get it in my old, um, what I used to study, the yeah. James. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here with my... With your NIV? <laughs> no, I have the, what is it? Uh, New, New Living. Living. New Living. Oh, and nice. Yes, oh. nice. Really <laughs> but you found it. You were awesome, girl. So anyway, yeah, in Psalm 103 it says that, you know, we, we are speaking those things um, and the angels act. When we speak counter to the Word of God, you know, when the Word of God is not coming out of our mouth, when the will of God is not coming out of our mouth, the angels are frozen. They're there to work, but they only act on the Word of God that's spoken. So when we speak the worry, we speak the fear, we speak 
um, you know, in agreement with what's going on in the world. We declare all those things. The angels would love to do something for us, but they are waiting, just waiting, just waiting for us to declare his work. Because that's what they are called to do, period. And it doesn't matter whether you see Michael, we're going to talk about the archangels, it doesn't matter whether you see Michael the archangel working, whether you see the angel of the Lord, whatever, every time you see them, they are fulfilling the plan of God, period. Or declaring the word of God to somebody. You know, and that's that's what comes out of their mouth is the word of God. It, it isn't our words or what we think. It's what God says that comes out of their mouth. And they are intent on fulfilling that word in this earth because that's what they're created to do. Um, there are some that do nothing but praise God all day long and all night long and all, all the time. And that's good. But there are some who are out there ministering to us, those ministering spirits. There are warring angels. There are all kinds of angels in God's host. But um, every one of them, I don't care whether they're praising God or what they're doing, it's all about fulfilling the purpose of God in the world. And that's it. So, okay, we're going to stop there. Won't meet next week. No next week for Sunday night. And then I'll be back on the 22nd. Is that the 22nd? 20th? 22nd. Okay, so I'll be back on the 22nd. Yay! And we will continue our... I am going down to see him. I'm excited. I, I, um, you know, I've just gotten to the point where as many times as I can get down to see him now, I'm going. Take that, take that time. I don't ever want to get to the end of it and go, what if? You know, I never want to be there. So... Yes, I'm going to go and get a hug from my mama. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want. Oh, my goodness. <laughs>